This is Comet Picks by the Glick, and this is your host. Wait, I'm John Murphy. I'm not a host. <laughs> no, you're, you're I'm the a co-host. I'm the co-host. You're the sidekick. You're the Andy Richter. You're That's the it. you're the Ed McMahon. <laughs> and that is Jason Glick. <laughs> yes, I am your host. He's the real host. <laughs> yeah. All right, and this time, well, I'm back talking about one of my favorite my favorite uh, mainstream comic subjects. That is the X Men. All right. Yeah, because this time. Like we've just, they like said there are like the collect, collect editions of their most recent um, heart, crossover Second Coming have have arrived, and you know it's like rather than write, it's like writing up on the side. I figured now would be a good time to talk about them because I mean like this is on one hand this is technically a uh, like this is a fairly significant event compared to pre- previous crossovers. I mean Marvel would like to have you believe this is a far, final part of a trilogy um, leading to the reversal of the um, events of M Day, where um, a lot of or pretty much like all of Marvel's mutants, like well, like ninety percent of Marvel's mutants were depowered, and just like turned into or, ordinary people. Like it was just left, and mutant tiny was just like reduced to like a fraction, a pressed and hunted minority. Now, like, well, I talked talked about over a year ago about how Messiah Complex was a really good, um, really good crossover event. Like, had, had clear focus, specific idea of what it wanted to do, and it accomplished its goals in spectacular faction, fashion. Problem is that the um, follow-up to that to that event has just been kind of like um, like largely um, swing and a miss. I mean, we've got uh, everyone's just been kind of like I'm um, sitting around twiddling their thumbs, and like there's been like some good stories. I mean, I like Matt Fraction's work on um, Uncanny X-Men. Um, I like Mike Carey's um, work on X-Men Legacy as well. But um, their um, events to actually follow up on specifically follow up on these series, like um, Kate, like. Dwayne Spearzinski's Cable series has just been largely um, uninspiring. The um, Marvel, the Marvel Universe equivalent of like the Coyote and the Roadrunner cartoons, where oh. Cable and Hope are basically chased by Bishop for like four volumes. And, and like as I said last week on my on the web on the website, it's like you can just skip all four volumes of Cable before you go into this. All you need to know um, prior to um, a second coming is that. Well, okay, it's not entirely all you need to know about. Get that in a second, because like the actual crossover is a big, messy summer, summer blockbuster of a read. I mean, it's got a- high action, high drama, like 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 fate, like fate of mutant kind at stake, and it's and like it largely delivers on like on promising a big, uh, big, exciting, um, game changing read. Now, it's like the, the build up for it has just been kind of like hasn't really been like that that focused. I mean, we've. While um, Sci Complex had tie-ins from both X-Men and Uncanny X-Men, basically um, Cable has been the uh, build-up for for this, and that's just been like huge miss. All you need to know is that now Cable and Hope have finally arrived back in the back in the modern day, and what's waiting for them? Basically, um, the evil, it's like the evil um, Ma- um, Nimrod, Master Mold Amalgam, Bi- um, Bastion. He is the um, he's basically mastermind of the. The efforts to um, wipe out wipe out mutanity in the, in the present day, and he's and he's gone and resurrected um, a bunch of um, the X Men's um, greatest human villains, including let's see, um, Stephen Lang, Bolivar Trask, Cameron Hodge, and Graydon Creed, um, in order to do so. Now this threw me for a loop because before I picked this this volume up, I thought I thought, wait a second, aren't those guys dead? I mean, it's like that's yeah, that's the problem here. It's like, well, I consider myself reasonably up on um. Like general excellent continuity, I haven't actually been reading um, two of the main series that are involved in this crossover, um, New Mutants and X Force. Because New Mutants, I've heard, has been you know all right, but generally inessential. Um, X Force, I've just heard, has just like been way too serious for its own good, and I haven't even bothered with it, except for the Messiah War com- 
crossover, which was terrible, and just reinforced my decision to like not bother with it. Anyway, that, that that's come back to bite me in the ass here, and you know, it's just that's and that's that's and that's disappointing. But the thing is, I mean, like, hey, if you're expecting like, but that's the thing with X Men. I mean, it's like it's it's continu it's continuity, baby. You've got like if you're not already involved in the X Men, then huh, this crossover is not going to do it for you because it's basically resolving a lot of stuff that's already been set in motion. So yeah, even for so if you've been reading every X Men title, then yeah, you're going to be up on things. If you're only like like only reading like half of it, like I have, then you're just, then you're going to be missing some things. But you're you can still follow the story. If you don't read X Men, well, um, I don't want to like actually tell tell my audience to stop listening. But yeah, really, just stop listening now because it's just going to get worse from here. Anyway, that being said, the um the first the um storyline is basically divided up into three three acts. You've got you got the first act where um Cable and Hope arrive and are probably um like ch- chased around by the by by Bastion and his and his human cronies. It's like then like the X Men find out that that they're back and then they send out they send out X Force and like some of the other their other team other the rest of their mutants into the field. Problem is that um what that some events happen happen that that eventually reveal that hey you know Scott has actually authorized X Force has authorized X Force like a, a communities who will kill kill and do whatever is necessary in order to to um to like combat any threats to mutant kind well that doesn't sit well with a lot of the, with a lot of the cast especially Nightcrawler who basically wants to have things out with Scott right then and there but you've got but this first first arc basically is basically like the ch- is basically a big big Hollywood style chase like Cable and Hope are are on the run they're being tracked tracked by ba- tracked by Bastion and um, Bastion's doing his best best efforts to confound the uh, the X-Men and it's it's ha- and it's handled really well cuz like the thing is you know there are four different writers here basically Matt Fraction doing um Uncanny um Mike Carey doing X-Men Legacy um Craig Kyle and Chris Yoss doing um X-Force and Zeb Wells doing New Mutants it all um it all hangs together pretty coherently i mean a lot of people would would consider that that the fact that these guys aren't really like able to like give their like apply their own voice and style to the to these stories here that they're basically subsumed by the whole business of the crossover a bad thing, I don't because I mean on one hand if you're not having um these people like having these guys drag every drag drag this crossover in their own in their own directions according to their own style is just gonna like, result in one in, inconsistent incoherent read. I mean it's like I was even kind of like put, a little bit put off by um by the fact you could see Peter David style peeking out at every turn in the Messiah. In, in the um, Messiah complex crossover, here though everyone um, works together pretty well, and while I can see um, bits of their style p- poking out from time to time, it's not necessarily bad things. It just adds just like a little bit of color here, like especially like with um, with Matt Fraction's witticisms and in, in, in his uncanny issues. But still, we get a lot of a lot of great great action in the first the first story, and it also does a good job of selling us on the threat of the whole crossover. Basically, like. Like you, like Mutanity, like Mutanity's savior has arrived here, and we got got to um exp- got to go go to any lengths in order in order to save her, and also like also get a lot of um action action on Bastion's end from from his his cronies trying to trying to stop him. So it's it's a lot of fun from there. Then you get to the second act where things things dial back a bit, and also X Men have to take stock and realize that oh one of well, one of our um one of our greatest heroes um died in order to get hope to um to 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 our island utopia in order to in order to, in order to save save the human save save mutanity and it's like we so we get his funeral and while 
Well, I like the character. On one hand, he hasn't had a lot of stuff to do, like, um, over the last in recent history. So on one hand, his, his stuff, his death comes off of this bit of shock value, and just you know, he's he's gone, he's missed, but you know, he wasn't actually doing anything, so that's why he was that's why he was allowed that to die. Yeah. Then we get um, to then we get Bastion setting his next game, which is basically encircling on um, the entire city of San Francisco. San Francisco and the adjacent areas, it's like in a giant impenetrable force field. And um, then also I'm summoning a bunch of um, Nimrods, Sentinels from the future, to go and wipe out the rest of the X-Men. Now that leads to a lot, whole lot of whole lot of fighting at first, and also the Avengers show up on the outside of the field just to pay some lip service to the fact that, hey, you know, this, is, this event is still happening in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're not actually able to do anything because, you know, if the Avengers are able to bust in and save the X-Men, you know, that wouldn't be a very X-Men story. But then, in the final act, when we get to the final act, basically, um, Cable has one left, one last charge in his um, in his time machine to take them into the future, um, Bastion's future, to um, stop the uh, stop the production of the Nimrods and basically cut off the attack. So he does that. So so um so um Scott um, Cyclops gives the uh, gives the okay to send him into the future, effectively killing um his son and the rest of X Force as they try and as they try and cut off cut off the time off the, the timeline and also the, the the assault of the Nimrods. Of course, the, the assault against the Nimrods also takes up the main main bulk, bulk of the attack, bulk, bulk of the storyline in the in, in the present time. As, as everyone else is trying to beat the crap, beat the crap out of them, and generally generally doing a good job, but also failing. Cause like because limbs get blown, lives lives get lost, people get charred. It's it's a lot it's a lot of great a, great action here and. It all culminates in the final final chapter where, where Hope and Bastion go toe to toe, and we finally find out what um, Hope's special mutant powers is. Now, this is the only spoiler I want to discuss because basically Hope is basically kind of like a voodoo doll for the entire mutant race. She basically has the powers of any of any available mutant, and that's including the Phoenix entity because it was hinted way back in the Messiah Complex that she was basically um the rebirth, basically the rebirth of Jean Grey, who is basically been dead for a lot longer than I would have expected from from Marvel. But <laughs> but basically that also leads into the epilogues which set up set the next stage of storylines for for the X titles and also give they also give have another they have another um funeral because because someone else dies as well and I will admit this guy gives a, really has a has a good heroic death. And on one hand his death would be more if it weren't the fact that he has died several times before and come back from them just as well. So we'll see how long his death sticks. Yeah. But we also get um, other bits such as um, Cyclops telling Rogue that she's off the team because of her actions during the crossover. Um, Storm and Wolverine having it out over the over Nic- uh, over um, over X Force's actions, and um, and um, Wolverine start deciding to start up X Force again under his own recognizance. And also, more, more, most significantly, the fact that at the very end, we could see that there are five new um, X-Gene signatures popping up over the, over the course of, over, throughout the world. Now, that is most significant because, really, it shows that we're getting back to, um, like, traditional X-Men stories here. Like, we get them finding out, like, the mutant race is, is, is going to continue. We're going to get new mutants. We're going to, like, have stories where, the, where X-Men go and find Find the new mutants, and um, let's see. Find out what these, what their new powers are. Find out, find out what what um, teen angst metaphor they're going to be serving. And um, I li- and generally I like that. I like 
say I like that direction, and I'm looking forward to seeing where it's going to be, um, where it's going to go. But the thing is, though, it's like it seems it's mainly going to be followed up by um, um, Matt Fraction and later um, Kieran Gillen because he's joining joining Fraction in a couple of issues. Um, as um, let's see, because Mike Carey is basically continuing telling stories about Rogue. Um, let's see, X Factors being X Force is being relaunched under um, under Rick, writer Rick Remender's um, um, work guidance. And I've heard good things about the first issue, so I'm looking forward to checking out that series. Oh. Um, and then there's the new X-Men series by writer Victor Gishler. Now, I, now the thing is, like, he's basically telling a story about the X-Men versus vampires, and while I've heard mixed things about it, just the fact that, you know, Gishler is a guy who has basically made his name writing Deadpool over the past couple of years. Past year or so, and he doesn't strike me as like the kind of like a list writer that I'd want to see. I'm um, handling the X Men, so and I, it's like I just can't really so like I want to maybe yeah maybe I will pick up this X Men versus Vampire story, but if I do, it probably won't be until um, Comic Con next year when I can find it in the half off bins or for sale for fifty percent off somewhere. Because it, like I said, it does not sound inspiring, and like I said I just wish that that you know if you're when you're doing it like a new X Men series that's basically like, like a new X Men one. Which is like last time the next been one was the biggest selling comic book of all time, eight million copies, and this one, well, I mean, geez, I mean, it's like we're doing another new X, another core X, X title, and you're just getting like some guy who is who isn't even one of Marvel's A list talents to write it. I mean, hey, if, if Brian Michael Bendis wanted, Brian Michael Bendis would have been a great choice to write it because he's golden, but apparently he's just like writing Avengers these days. Anyway, but. Let me wrap this wrap up the uh, talk about the um, main crossover by saying that it does have a lot of great art. I mean, like all generally, all the artists were able to um, contribute equally con- like to their to their series. I mean, you've got like great art from the um, opening chapter by David Finch, um, who get, does does some great action scenes, such as the, um, such as the highway assault at the beginning thing. I mean, you got um, um, Terry Dodson. Um, I'm working on the uh, Uncanny X-Men issues, and he's got a great, appealingly cartoonish style. I wish he could have done all of Matt Fraction's issues, but sadly he wasn't. Um, Ibrahim Roberson does, the guy I'd never heard of, does New Mutants, and I love the um, shaded detail that he brings to his work. It's, it's not something I'd expect to see in a superhero series, but it works really well in context of things. And they've got um, Mike Choi um, doing um, the X-Force issues. He's got a beautiful, graceful style that... Um, like it's great with action, great with like the look of the, look of the characters. I mean, it's beautiful stuff, and I kind of wonder like why this guy isn't um, like a more of a superstar. Cause, like, it's just I look because I love his work here. Now, only ringer here is um, Greg Land. Now, while I generally like the detail he brings to his work, the problem is that his work is so photo referenced that his his faces, his facial expressions, just look, look um, absolutely unreal. As soon as the man learns to actually draw convincing motion on humans, then I'll be looking forward to. I'm seeing seeing his name on on stuff again. In the meantime, I'm glad that he's not um, going to be the new artist on X Men Legacy. For instance, a guy named Clay Man is, but hey, you know, I'll take what I can get. But still, like I'm looking like X Men's future looks pro- looks promising. It's just, but as always with how I read X Men, it's just a matter of um, like knowing which titles to follow. Okay, now normally that would be the end, but this time though. Um, they've actually been a series of tie-ins to this crossover, and they were collected in the um, X-Men: Second Coming Revelations, um, like uh, hardcover. Now, this I will say that none of this stuff is absolutely essential to uh, to understanding the crossover. It picks up on a lot of plot plot threads, but um, it's but a lot of the, the 
but if you want to just read um, Second Coming, you don't you actually don't need to buy this. But still, this is actually a collection of really good tie-ins. I mean, first of all, it devalues um, Cable Volume Four even further by including the um, the uh, Hope um, the, the a girl called Hope um, backup strips by Swierzynski and um, Steve Dillon. Um, and that, like I said, that's a that's a really good encapsulation of um, Hope of, um, of Cable and Hope's relationship and their um, struggles throughout. Um, before they came back to the present, so really, it's like you you can read this, and basically you don't need and you don't need to, under, to actually bother with any of the cables four volumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then you've got the um, X Men Blind Science one shot. Now that was this was written by a guy named Cy Cy Spurrier, who's done a lot of um like Ghost Rider related work with Marvel recently. And I wasn't expecting much from this, but really, this is probably the best thing in the volume because it focuses on the X Men Science Club. Were, um, separated from the um, from the main from the main group um, after they're um, a- asked to explore one of Bastion's towers um, that, he, that he's um, working on, that he was working on in the, in the course of the series. Then, now it's it's in, his teams are made up of um, like Doctor Nemesis on evil like an evil German scientist, but he's working for the good guys now. Madison Jeffries, uh, kind of like a like Rain Man with um, with electronics, he can talk to them, but he's not really good with people. And um, Kavita Rao. John, you've actually now, John. You should know who this is, but I'm willing to bet you can't actually re- remember her name. Oh, uh, say it again. Yeah, you said Kavita Rao. Yeah. Yep. Definitely didn't. Um, yeah. Bring her back. She's from um, Joss Whedon's X-Men stories. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, because you know the, the um, his initial storyline where he where a mute, or a cure for mutanity was created. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. She yes. was. Yes, she was the she was the one who did who who created it, and now she's okay. working with the X Men science team. Gotcha. And this yeah, and this story focuses on her because um like all three all three of them are are flung into the future through Bastion's technology. But apparently, this future is one where um hum- where um Bastion failed to stop the mutants, and um eventually they were all um subsumed in a single entity called the Hub, and they're just like taken taken over um taken over the future and just ruining things. The only person who wasn't consumed was was Hank McCoy because he actually kept a sample of of Rao's cure, and now that it's gone, he needs her to synthesize a new, it's like a new, it's like a new version of it in order to um, in order to stop the uh, the mutant threat. Now, it's now on one hand, it's like it's there's a lot of good. I want there's like some good moral arguments about like the necessity of um of like of destroying an entire entire species in order to um, save save the rest save everyone else but the, but it's really but it's also um good because I will say it has a great a great twist to it that uh, it also ties into ties in ties it back into the main crossover extremely well and I like um like Spurrier's hand handle on Rao as well as um um Dr. Nemesis and uh, Madison Jeffries as well because they're just here for um comic relief but they are they provide great comic relief as well overall it's a very very strong story that you know if I, that you know it's like I, if you don't want that hey if you, if you don't want to pick up this volume I would go ahead and um, recommend picking up this this one shot because it's a lot a lot of fun and it's uh, and it's um, very very well written and drawn as well then you've got the um let's see the uh, X-Men Hellbound uh, miniseries which um, has um Ilyana um sister of Sister of um, of Colossus and um, and Transporter, and also ruler of the demonic realm known as, known as Limbo in the X Men universe. Now she was um, sent sent into the uh, into back into Limbo through a, a weaponized ritual 
um, by the hum- by the human militants early on in the crossover, and now um, Col- now now Colossus um, is demanding that people are go-, go in after after her to save her. Well, he wanted he wanted to go himself, but Cyclops said no. But instead, like there have been a bunch of other people who are willing to do so. So you've got um, got Cannonball, you've got you got Gambit, you got Northstar, you got Dazzler, and you but you also got um, some of the newer X Men, such as Pixie, another teleporter who is the only one capable of going into Limbo, and she really doesn't want to go because she because on um, last time she met Ileana, Ileana ripped out a piece of her soul for some reasons that I don't know because I didn't read that that storyline in New X Men, but all I, all you know is that hey, um, Pixie. Like Pixie is the key, key to this, and she doesn't like the person they're going to save. So you got drama right there. And and like once you get once they actually get to Limbo, like the fun begins because not only are they um attacked by attacked by demons, but also because um Gambit, who um some of you will remember that um he was once he was working as um like Apocalypse's horseman, Death. Now while it was I don't think it was ever explained how he got free of of the of um, Apocalypse's control, that personality is still lurking in the background, mm-hmm. and that and this environment of Limbo allows it to uh, come to come 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 to the fore. And it's kind of funny because, like, while um, well, one of um Ilyana's um enemies, Nastrith, the demon, is supposed to be a sensible like um like villain here. Gambit cr- quickly supplants him as he as he starts making making his name known in the it's like in the realm. And it's like that's that's a nice twist there, and I also like the uh, like like the drama between um, Ileana and Pixie. And really, it's like I I could tell you that no, eventually everything is resolved and everyone gets to go home nicely. But you know that was gonna that was eventually gonna happen because like cause like X Men don't deal in the level of nihilism that a bad ending of, that this would that this would involve. But still, it's like I said, there it's a predictable story. But the the, uh, the motions are gone through with zest, and and there's also lots of demon fighting action. So like that's that's always fun. So, then we're on to the last um, class, which is also kind of like one of the main reasons I decided to pick this up, because um, this is also um, the next three issues of X-Force. Now, while I said last week that, you know, while I like, I still really like X-Force, it's still probably no longer the series I would recommend to ser- people who don't normally read X-Men, because it's just hasn't been um, at the level of quality that, that, I, that it originally was. But these three issues are, are still... Are still one, still pretty entertaining, and you've got the uh, X Force. I mean, I'm sorry, X Factor. It's basically um, been been fragmented, and you've got um, Siren, Siren, um, right, recuperating from things in like in Dublin. You've got um, Layla Miller and Shatterstar stranded in Latveria. You've got um, Strong Guy and Monet, um, like in South America trying to rescue Monet's mother, and you got um, Madrox, um, Madrox, Richter, Longshot, and Darwin, like in New York. Yeah, the team's like spread out, completely fractured, both um, mentally and physically. And then you've got um, now you've got um, Bolvar Trask, um, like Bastion's um, resurrected hit, um, creator of the Sentinels, um, out to get them. Now, now the thing is, like this story basically provides uh, it's basically a nice bit of deck clearing for X Factor. Just get all the all the drama that's kept the um, team team separated for so long off the table. Gives a unified threat to fight against. And basically, they set things up for like, oh, okay, hey, every, team's back together. Everyone's on generally good terms. Now we can get back to the to the um to the thing of doing good character-driven mutant stories under the, um the guys under um Peter David's um guidance. Now, 
and I have to admit that some of the best parts in the story are just like throwaway bits from David, because as um he's because there's some bits where uh, you see um Bastion just um asserting his mind control over Trask, and then he's he's having he's basically feeding lines to Trask. He's saying they have abrogated their right to to live by dint of their existence, and and Trask just cannot pronounce abrogated, and so Bastion goes abrogated, abrogated. So it's it's fun seeing him do stuff like that. Then you've also got bits where the where the absorbing man um comes one of Marvel's um resident supervillains comes in to ask um as X Factor for help in tracking down his, his unfaithful wife. Um and then let's see, then you have also let's see what what else do we have here? Because I remember it's like there being some really good bits. Oh. And you also got um the uh the henchmen who um who helped kidnap um, Monet's um, dad? Like after their after their leader um, transports Monet and Monet himself and Strong Guy back to New York, they're kind of like wondering, wait, wh- what about us? And then the entire place is annihilated by Bastion's fire team. And you've also got um, like Chatterstar, who is from an alternate reality, um, he, because well, he used to be um, he used to be like um, fighting on, a, on an alternate reality game show, but um, so he has so generally he has no idea how to like how things work in our world. So basically when they're we find out that oh he's driving, he, he's driving um, um Layla Miller and Siren to safety. Oh he's doing it by I'm um, driving right down the middle of the, middle of the road full bore. So I mean that's it's like that's so, like that's a lot of fun. But it's basically just like three issues of these guys fighting and not a whole lot of character stuff, which is what I like like reading the series for. So really, I mean it's like it's it's entertaining stuff and it saves me from having to buy the next um next volume in hardcover. But but it's still. Entertaining. Like overall, this is like a worthy. Um, it's like it's a worthy collection of tie-ins, and it takes, if you like the second coming crossover, I'd recommend this as well. I mean, like, hey, if you're if you're an X-Men fan, you basically you're obligated to buy this stuff. But, but still, I mean, like, hey, like it helps 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 both helps the case, but the fact that hey, you know, the, these are actually entertaining. Though I will say, on a final note, don't be put off by the cover because. I like David Finch, but um, the cover for Second Coming is just kind of like um, they get, they gave one of their um, interns five minutes with Photoshop to um, convert one of his um, covers into uh, uh, it's like into the um, hardcover cover. Well, I think that really the uh, if you, if they had gone with um, Adi Grenov's um, cover to uh, cover to Second Coming, which is a great um, bit of bit of, like um, foreshadowing and posing by by the team because it's it's just really nice. You got Bastion looking down on them with um, Cyclops, Wolverine, and Cable, and Hope on it. I mean, it's just nice. It's just a decimation of like all the major players in the series. So, but yeah, that's just a minor minor quibble. Overall, highly recommended. Go and pick them up. All right. And on that note, we're gonna call it a night. We'll be back in two weeks. Not to talk about The Walking Dead because you know if I mean because like by the time I come back, like The Walking Dead will. Have, It'll be time for The Walking Dead to premiere on AMC, which you should all watch. Oh. I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Oh. And uh, but and hey, but really, it's like I'm sure that like, I've talked enough about the series to know that hey, I love it, and it's just it's great. I'm really looking forward to the TV series. Like I'm actually going to watch it instead of waiting for um, someone to um, feed me the digital copies. Wow. <laughs> yeah. All right. And on that note, everyone, calling it a night. All right. See you later. Yep.